Welcome to Wellness You, a podcast designed to help you learn more about your health and how to live your best life. Podcast hosts include Chiropractic Essence and Essence Med, Bambi's Green Acres Natural Market, My Nurse Healthcare, and First Row Fitness, all of Council Bluffs, Iowa. Before we hear from this episode's host, let's learn more about everyone here at Wellness U. Wellness U brought to you in part by Essence Health Group, home to Chiropractic Essence and Essence Med, your one stop for joint health and overall wellness in Council Bluffs. So if you've been told you are bone on bone or a candidate for knee replacement, or if you're suffering from knee or other joint pain and want a non-invasive, non-surgical option, Essence Med and Council Bluffs is the place for you. With over 160 five-star patient reviews, this is a healthcare practice that focuses on real results through their custom joint program. The team of doctors at Essence Med focuses on tailoring care to the individual and finding the best plan of care in the least invasive manner. This is healthcare reimagined. Chiropractic Essence is under the same roof and also the fastest growing chiropractor in Council Bluffs with a focus on community and offers a hybrid technique that is safe, precise, and effective for all ages. Their office is filled with happy, healthy families that have reduced or eliminated their pain and have developed healthier lifestyles thanks to chiropractic Essence. With the latest techniques and technologies, Essence is not just a healthcare clinic to reactively reduce symptoms, but rather a practice that is laser-focused on improving our bodies and building them up to the most optimal state. Give them a call at 712-308-8161 for a healthier you. 712-308-8161. Also brought to you by First Row Fitness. Join host Carrie McDonald, personal trainer, sports nutrition specialist, and owner of First Row Fitness for discussions on improving your fitness, nutrition, and quality of life. You'll experience a no-nonsense approach to nutrition and all things fitness and be inspired by guests who change their lives by deciding to take control of their health. You can even submit your own questions for Carrie to address. So look for episodes of Wellness You hosted by Carrie McDonald. This episode of Wellness You brought to you by Bambi's Green Acres Natural Marketing Council Bluffs. If you're searching for healthy supplements, herbal products, information, education, and more, Come visit us at Bambi's Green Acres Natural Market right here in Council Bluffs for 26 years where we put health in your hands. Call today, 712-323-5799. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Wellness You. In studio today, Julie Wiesman, Miners Health Care. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming in and uh, hosting this episode of Wellness You. And you brought a guest into the studio with you today. I did. Thank you for having me. I have Miss Allie Packard Boner here, and we're going to talk a little bit about mental health, the struggles that everyday people have with mental health, and we're going to talk a little bit about suicide awareness and Alzheimer's awareness today, too. So I'm super excited. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I've been waiting to have you on here for a long time, and I'm glad your schedule finally evened out a little bit so you could come in. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. And uh, Allie is a fellow chicken lover. I am. She uh, 
Todd, Todd just rolled his eyes at me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what it means. That's <laughs> she has chickens and they're glorious. So we we share chicken stories a so, lot. So it's not a University of South Carolina fan. No. It, okay. No, I'm just the crazy chicken lady. It, but you, she gets great eggs, and she has a lot of good stories. So, but anyway, <laughs> welcome, welcome. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day, and thank you for taking some time off work and coming in. Absolutely. I just let's start. Let's tell a little bit about kind of you, where you came from, where you where you are now. But let's start with where you came from, and where's your family from? Everywhere. Um, I was born in Loma Linda, California. Um, my dad was a respiratory therapist, but with um, he was contracted out. So we traveled a lot, kind of like the military. He, he was a veteran with the Air Force, but it was that kind of lifestyle. We traveled everywhere. Um, a lot of my family's from Oklahoma, um, Arkansas, and South Dakota. And um, I came to this area, actually Omaha, when I was 14 years old, graduated from Omaha North, go Vikings, <laughs> and um, then eventually joined the Air Force myself and settled back in the Council Bluffs area, and now I live out in Glenwood. Now, what was your job in the Air Force? I was a supply specialist. Um, I served in the early 90s during the Gulf War. Very good. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. And so... We, we have talked personally a little bit about mental health struggles and, um, you know, my personal struggles, my family struggles. You know, we, we do see a pretty high familial tendency with families that uh, may have a long line of, you know, struggles. You know, everything from anxiety, depression, um, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, you know, we see a lot of times that those things can be passed down to Absolutely. families. But tell us a little bit about like when you first knew that maybe you were going to have some struggles or you had had some struggles. Um, my parents divorced when I was 11. And I think um, that was a difficult time for me, but I was still mentally sound. Um, I did have to grow up fast. Um, my mom has a history of bipolar disorder and that runs in the family. Um, but I did pretty good. I mean, I, I wound up moving to Omaha with my dad and stepmom, my pa, mm -hmm. and, um, when I was 14 and really that was starting to turn me around until I was 16. Um, I went back to Boston to visit and had an unfortunate situation happen to me. And I think that's what um, impacted me the most. And you were 14? I was 16 when I went back to go visit. Um, went out with some friends. Um, I was with a group of friends and, um, some older men came, um, to our group. We were by a lake and just hung out with us for a little while. And then things got weird. Mm -hmm. Um, they, Brought out alcohol. They had some drugs. Um, they were pushing it on us. Before I knew it, they had me shoving alcohol um, down my throat. Um, and I looked around, and all my friends were scattered. They were beating them up. Um, one of the men I found out later was a Golden Globe boxer. He had crushed the face of one of my friends. Um, some ran off for help. Um, 
And then one who is my age stuck with me. And I really don't believe I would be here today if it wasn't for him. Um, So basically, I was kidnapped, drugged, and raped. And if it wasn't for this one friend, Kurt, of mine, um, he stayed there, kept on trying to talk them down. Uh, They held a knife to his throat, made him watch everything. And... Eventually, he had them convinced, you know, you had your fun. You know, let me just, if if you help me to the edge of the forest, you know, I'll take care of her. It'll be fine, and you go on your way. In the meantime, the other friends got help. So Kurt was leading them directly to the police that were coming. Um, and it was... And this is the time before cell phones, before, it was before cell phones, everything yeah. that we have, you know, advanced technology at our fingertips. So right. what kind of a time frame was that this? It was in like, 1985. Um, it was 85. probably 1985. Um, it was probably six to eight hours. And um, I remember them hearing voices. Um, I was... They shoved me to the ground, uh, laid on top of me, trying to hide me. And I remember being behind this log, and the only thing I could move was my eyes. And I could see the flashlights going. Uh, my friend, Kurt, was smart enough, because we knew the woods like the back of our hands. It was one of our hangouts. And so he laid right in the trail, knowing where his our other friends were going to lead him. And so the cops found him first. And he goes, no, no, it's not me. They're right over there. And so, um, thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. So, um, they found us, and I was a hot mess. All I had on was Kurt's shirt because I couldn't find my clothes when they decided to move me. And so he took off his shirt, and so that's all I had on. And, um, yeah, things went from there. <laughs> and that was a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about nine months until the trial. So I had to fly back to Boston for the So, were trial. you just out visiting? I was only visiting. Visiting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. I was just visiting, and um, I remember my sister so wanting to go with me, and I said, no, you can't come. Now, remind me, is Amy younger or older? Amy, my sister Amy is younger than I am by two years. Um, She also has spina bifida, but she can walk, you know, but... um, And she's sassy. She is sassy. <laughs> you guys both come by that honestly from your mom, so who I know very well. So yeah, and if you get to know my too. my pa a little bit, you know I get a little bit from yeah, him also. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think I get my drive from my pa and what was instilled in me by my stepmom Jean, my ma. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the the trial was about month a month long, um, it ended up that these two men went AWOL from the Marines. Ah. And um, they were uh, convicted of several different accounts of, um, well, the drug, drugging, um, drugging me and drugging minors um, for assault and battery, several accounts of assault and battery, kidnapping and rape. Um, and they both served. The beautiful thing out of this, if Well, there's a lot of beautiful things, but one beautiful thing, about three years after this event, um, there was two of them, and I would say one was an alpha male, the other was a beta, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who was the follower, and the one that was a follower was a golden glove boxer, and the one that um, hurt my friends the most 
He spent quite a bit of time in jail, but he was featured in the Boston Globe. And someone sent me that article, and it was telling about his broken life story. And he said, I wish I could thank the girl we hurt because if she didn't stand up and make sure we paid, I probably would have kept on going down a rabbit hole. Wow. So that, you know, I always try to find the light in the darkness. That was the first light that I discovered. And then that was, you were at what point then, like 19 I, I was about 19. Mm-hmm. So you were pretty mature for a 19 to be able to be, you know, accepting and insightful with that. I was, but I was still impacted by PTSD, which sure. I didn't realize until a little bit later in my life. Um, PTSD, I suffered um, extreme fear. I remember being in high school and it was career day and there was various uh, people talks you had to go to. And when I got my list, one was court reporting. And that triggered me and I started freaking out saying, I need to get out of the school. They come to find me. You know, that wasn't even on the list. And they found out that it was a prank, supposedly, because that wasn't even a speaker they had. Oh. And, um... So I was always fearful. I thought that they were going to get out of jail and come after me, especially the alpha one. Um, He had the eyes of the devil. Unfortunately, a lot of Marines, um, you know how they have, some of them have that look just, you know. Stern and. They're killers. They're trained to be killers. That's their job. And some of them you can tell in their eyes. He had those eyes. And that's something that even to this day, I'll never forget. Which is interesting that you did change. You did choose to go into the military. I did, and I always was a self healer. Um, you know, it was tough when my parents divorced. I had to grow up fast, as I mentioned, and I just always believed that I can fix myself. I'm strong enough, you know. So I decided. I'm going to join the military. I thought about the Marines, but, and I went and talked to them, and I'm like, I don't think I can do that. But my dad was Air Force. Let me do Air Force. That was a f- amazing, boot, boot camp was an amazing experience for me. I don't think you hear that very often. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my dad, I grew up, my dad was in the service and he was a career guy. He was army mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, he was a drill awesome. sergeant for a long time. Ooh, they're and, not nice. <laughs> and, and my mom will tell you that, you know, she rarely saw him when he was on drill status. But, you know, I just imagine what, you know, boot camp felt like. So it was tough. It made me uh, face a lot of my fears. I remember the first night I didn't sleep. I cried the entire time asking myself, what the heck did I <laughs> decide to do? <laughs> this was a smart, you know, I was very scared. And then, um, I don't know, something, I remember we had to do a run and there was one girl who didn't make it and I refused to let her fall behind. We were supposed to stick together as a team, either, you know, uh, complete or not together. And the rest of my flight decided to just keep on going. And I decided, nope, I'm going to stay back with her. So of course we failed that run and we had to redo it. When we redid it, I was Sergeant Shrubar. <laughs> oh, God bless him. <laughs> Wherever he is in the world, God bless him. <clears throat> 
he was funny and he was tough. And um, I think he gave me a little bit of grit more that I needed. Um, but we were running and uh, we were almost there. And she was giving up. And I'm like, don't give up. And I was running backwards saying, just reach for me. Just keep on going. And he said, Packard, turn and go, turn and go. That's an order, turn and go. I said, sir, no, sir. I won't leave her behind, sir. Packard, go. And he kept on yelling at me. And I'm like, what do I do? I don't want to leave this person behind. And then he screamed at me so loud. It put the fear of God in me. And so I turned and ran and I you know, made it. But... um. That was really difficult for me to leave someone behind. But it also taught me that I did an honorable thing. Mm-hmm. And I tried. You know, I didn't just decide to pick me first. Yeah. And uh, when we graduated and left boot camp, um, <laughs> Sergeant Shrubar, he shakes my hand as we're getting on the bus, and he said, can I say one bad word? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He said, when you first arrived, we thought you were a fuck up and you surprised us. Congratulations. And um, I'm like, wow, because I I was a hot mess. I mean, the first night I- Well, you're how old? How old were you? Um, I was 20. Yeah. And I tripped the TI going up the steps. They almost (sighs) fell. I got yelled at. I mean, it was a hot mess. But um, I wound up- uh, trying to support everyone else. Whenever we, our flight wasn't getting along, I would pull them into the day room and, you know, just have a powwow. He even did um, relaxation techniques with them. <laughs> wow. I did. Um, it was to pull us together, but it was also to help me because mm-hmm. I was trying to fight my own demons. And um, I just stepped outside of my comfort zone and started focusing on how can I use my pain and my struggle to help others. And that is where I realized that what happened to me did not need to control my life. I could use it as a gift. And so I stopped being sorry that I was kidnapped, drugged, and raped. And by the way, I did not know I had PTSD at this time. Um... I, I I could use all that pain and help others, and it made me feel better. So I started a slow heal. Um, Which, by the way, for those who don't know you, that's kind of your MO as a woman, <laughs> is that you're very caring, you're very thoughtful, yeah. and you're, you're constantly thinking about others around you. I mean, I see that just in the short couple oh, of years that I've you. known you, that that's kind of your, and I'm sure that, that this has a lot to do with why yeah. you are how you are today. Well, you know, a negative plus a negative does not equal a positive, but you can turn any negative into a positive by putting a positive spin on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been that's my right. life philosophy since ever, probably since my parents divorced. I think that's something I felt on the inside of me. Um, And so I use that in every scenario. Um, After boot camp, I got married to who I was dating in high school. Um, I started dating him when I was 17. Um, And mostly he, he was kind at the time. Um, I felt safe because he was a little bit of an alpha male. And again, I was very fearful that these guys are coming back for me. And so I married young. Which, um, by the way, why did you think that? Because they got convicted? Because they got jail time? You thought that in your they head got out you rationalized they gonna, that they were going to be mad and... They'd come and after me. Come yeah. with you. Okay. 
Got it. And I think anyone going through that type of an experience or any violent experience, that fear that um, those who hurt you are always going to come back for you. Mm. And I think that's pretty normal. Um, but I got married. I was shipped off to England for three years, which was amazing. Um, my military experience was, oh, I did things I never thought I could do. I, I grew so much through that. But when I was being processed out of the military, that's when they diagnosed me or informed me that I had PTSD. And I didn't realize I did, but then when I looked back at my military career, some things made sense. Um, there was one girl uh, during tech school who was accusing another boy of raping her. And I remember them asking me to come in. Would You know, we don't know if we buy it, but since you've been through that experience, would you talk to her? <laughs> and, you know, I didn't think about those things that... Um, you know, this did kind of label me a little bit. They knew more about me. Um, I did talk to that person and uh, told them that I could sense pain, but I couldn't label it. And um, and I think it's it's hard. I mean, I can't label someone else's pain. So I just know that mine was felt more scarring. Like I couldn't eat for days. My, my friends were sitting with me 24 seven, taking turns, trying to force feed me. You know, I was a hot, hot mess. And, um, well, the shock and the trauma for a young teenage girl yeah. to have to, you know, that's completely understandable. Yeah. But, um, when I processed out, that's when they diagnosed me, I started, um, medications and cause leaving the military was very scary for me because I felt safe being in the military because, um, I had my own strengths that I had gained. And I also had these brothers and sisters that I knew would die for me. And so I felt very safe. So leaving um, the military and going back to the civilian world was, um, it was almost kind of tragic. So let's talk a little bit about your PTSD diagnosis. Mm -hmm. What precipitated for them to delve into that a little deeper? I think um, during my out-processing, it started in England at the base I was stationed at. And then it continued because I also um, have a military-related disability um, with my knees and stuff. So they were processing me at the VA hospital, going through all my records, and then also seeing how I was adjusting back to life um, in the civilian world. And I had a lot of anxiety and depression. And then when they looked at my history, they said, this is PTSD-related. Um, you know, they asked me questions, which, you know, I didn't really give a lot of merit to. Like, do you have recurring dreams? Yes. Do you still see these people, you know, just around you? Yes. Mm -hmm. What are your fears, being alone, that they're going to come after me? You know, they asked me things like that. Um, do you have blackouts? Do you have um, moments where you completely lose control? Um, and I could relate to all these questions that they started 
um, asking me, and I was like, oh, and they said, this is why you're being diagnosed with PTSD. I was actually very ashamed. Well, I'm sure. When they gave me that diagnosis, because PTSD, you think, is related to um, our men and women in the military who serve on the front lines. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that um, I deserved that diagnosis mm-hmm. because I had brothers and sisters, my military brothers and sisters, that had more extreme situations in my mind and deserved that and that I did not. That just shows how strong you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't think that something that as traumatic that happened to you ri- rose to the level of what, you know, our men and women in the armed services deal mm-hmm. with in combat times and stuff right. like that. So it just shows how strong you are. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, after you were out of the military, mm-hmm. where, what were some of your goals? Well, I was married. And even though um, that marriage was difficult, I believe in marriage so even though it was difficult and it didn't feel right, I was still going to do everything I could take do to make it work. And you guys had how many kids? We had three children. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three amazing kids. And that's really the best thing that came out of that marriage. Um, but then in 2011, my brother died. Yeah. Um, we believe my brother had bipolar disorder. Um, we had just seen him about four days or so uh, for a weekend um, for baptism of a great nephew. And I felt something was off, but everything was so fast-paced that weekend, we didn't get to connect and have brother-sister time with my sister, excuse me, my sister and him and myself. And um, I don't know if that would have made a difference, but... Um, and he was how old? Remind me. Mm, he was 33, I think. Very young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, single. Um, he had a job that took him all over the country. And um, that was part of what added to his depression. Um, not being able to, you know, find a wife and have kids and and have all the things that my sister and I had. He wanted those. And... um I remember that last hug, um, as we were getting ready to leave, he hugged me really, really tight. And I had drove down, this was in Oklahoma, with my my pa and ma, um, my dad and my stepmom. And when we left, I said, something doesn't feel right. And they said, should we turn back? I'm like, hmm, I don't know, maybe I'll just call him, but something didn't feel right. I got a call from my sister about three days later that there was a terrible accident and my brother was gone. And that um, hit me really hard. I went to immediate hysteria, the same kind of hysteria I was after my incident when I was 16. Um, I couldn't breathe. I was pure hysteria. I was crying. I was screaming. Nothing was making sense coming out of my mouth. I'm jumping up and down. And, um, and I broke in that moment. 
Now, one thing with PTSD, when trauma happens in your life, you handle it differently than anyone else. It hits harder. And um, it can have very lasting effects. So that day was the first day of my spiral down that I had never felt. It was even worse than when I was kidnapped, drugged, and raped. Um, it was about two, three years of a spiral down until I hit bottom. I became very antisocial. Um, and meanwhile, your kids are how old at this time? My children were Stefan. Um, when I started my downward yeah. spiral, Stefan had just joined the Navy. Um, and so let's see, he was like 19, um, and then 19, 16, and 13. So about you're a mom, you're juggling work, you're juggling a marriage that's not necessarily the most fulfilling, right. and you lose Wayne. Yeah. And you just have a lot of shit yeah. going down. So this mask that I had been wearing all these years that I'm okay and I can make anything in my life look good, um, no one realized that I wasn't happy in my marriage. Um, no one realized that I didn't know what real marital love was um, because I did really good on painting a picture that everything in Allie's world is perfect. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then when I broke, I slowly losing, lost grasp of that mask and all the blocks and pieces came falling down. I got to where I was losing weeks, months of my life. I, to this day, don't remember. Um, and then the day came where I was just sitting in my car, and I'm like, is this what my brother felt before he jumped to his death? And my next thought was, I cannot do that to my sister. I cannot do that to my parents. I cannot do that to my children. I can't do it to the people who love me. My brother was ill, but I've learned through his actions to stop and ask for help. So I walked into the VA hospital, went up to the mental health department, and said, will you help me, please? So um, what year was that? Oh, my gosh. That was. So Wayne died in 11. Mm -hmm, that was in uh, 2015, okay. December of 2015. And um, then I started therapy again. 15, 2015. And then in January, I made the decision that of 2016 that I needed to move out. Um, I thought what I wanted was a divorce, but really what I needed is I was so mentally ill. The only way to fix myself is I needed space and to be alone. Because remember, one of my biggest fears was being alone. So that was the only way that I could fix myself is I had to face my fear like I have always tried to do in the past. So I moved out. Um, the divorce, my ex-husband filed for divorce. Things turned really ugly for a little bit. Um, and I remember it was just me, my little dog, <laughs> um, 
Yorkie Poo Chihuahua um, cookie and me in this apartment. I could hear every noise and in the apartment. I was on a bottom floor and I was terrified. But every day got a little better. And then I realized, hey, I can do this. You know, I can do this. So I just focused on me. I, I rediscovered God in my life. I rediscovered myself. Um, I started telling myself, you know what? I'm not going to be ashamed that I have a mental illness, a mental disease called PTSD. I'm not going to be ashamed of that anymore. And I'm going to tell the world. So I started telling people. Um, about a year later, I was ready to just branch out and be social again. Um, work was getting better because my ex, um, he tried to destroy me socially and professionally because he was going through his own pain. He was blindsided. So he became this ugly person that I had never seen. I mean, yes, I did parts of it, but not at this level. Um, I'm happy to say all is fine there right now because, um, I chose to never badmouth him, um, for the sake of my children. And that was also part of my healing that I wasn't going to blame him. Um, things that happened in my marriage that were his doing, I found forgiveness for. And then I forgave myself for my choices and my actions that were not positive or that led me down a path that wasn't healthy for me. And so now we can talk very openly um, and healthily about our children because you never stop being your kid's parent mm -mm. ever. So that was really important for me. Once I let go of all that pain and all that negativity, my son, Stefan, thought, Mom, you need to get social again. So he put me on one of those stupid dating apps. <laughs> that was the worst thing. That's so that funny. That was so horrible. So I did it for a little bit. It was horrible, but at the same time, it got me outside my comfort yeah. zone. It went on a lot of, you know, dessert dates, ice cream dates, dinner dates. Um, and that was horrible. I don't recommend it for anyone. Don't necessarily do that. <laughs> You know, just let God guide you. Mm -hmm. And I say that because once I decided, okay, that's enough. I don't need to go dating and find someone. And about two months later, this was in 2017, on July 2nd of 2017, I get a text message. Hello, this is Mike Boner. I heard you're single and I'm taking you out. I had the confidence at this point to say, okay, when? <laughs> That's awesome. He goes, how about now? So um, Mike is someone that I had known since I was 17 when I started dating my ex-husband because he was a family friend of theirs. And I always joke he's my triple ex. That's right. Yeah. He is my ex-husband's ex-stepsister's ex-husband. Okay, no blood relation. But my kids did know him as Uncle Mike, and his kids knew me as Aunt Allie. And so it was weird for them. But, you know, he is my perfect match. Well, looking at you two and hanging out with you two, you know, you two fit. Yeah. For sure. You're the cutest, sickest little 
lovebirds ever, but you Thank just you. look like you fit together. And, you know, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my whole life. And, you know, why I got to this place is because I embraced my pain and I didn't let it control me. I took charge. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say to anyone. Don't let your pain control you. You get to dictate what to do with that pain and turn it into something and help others. So I, for the first time last year, I had the joy of meeting Jay Allen um, through my youngest son, Riley, Allen Sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I asked him, you know, you're really passionate about Alzheimer's. And would you also be willing to do an event for suicide awareness? The fact that I could even think about doing something like this astonished me because the pain of losing my brother um, was so tremendous. I had never been able to use that to help others. I had used my personal pain of PTSD and and the the kidnapping and rape to help others. And I had spoke. Um, I was a facilitator for young adult beginning experience. And that's kids who have lost a parent through a death or divorce. And often um, these kids experienced something similar to me, um, having been raped or sexually abused in some way. And so I would always share my story. That I was okay with at the time. But when it came to my brother's death, that was deeper. Mm-hmm. That was deeper. How much younger was Wayne than you? Six years. Okay. Yeah. Because I lost my brother. He was 10 years younger than me. And we lost him. He was killed um, three, two and a half years ago. And he was 31. And it was like losing a child. Yeah. Because it was a younger sibling. And he was 10 years younger than me. Absolutely. So it it did. You're right. Because that Mm -hmm. does hurt way worse than I've lost a dad too. And that was terrible, but losing a younger sibling was like losing a kid. Yeah. And it does it does viscerally yeah. hurt. And I think for me, um, I could handle being physically hurt so much better oh. than I could the idea of one of my siblings or someone else I love being hurt. I can totally see that. And, you know, bring on the pain. I'll deal with it. But I don't want them to suffer. Mm-hmm. So um, when I met Jay Allen and his passion for wanting to help others through the pain that he had of losing his mom through Alzheimer's. Um, Who, by was, the way, Jay Allen is an Iowa boy. Yes, he is. He so. is uh, Cedar Falls. Yep. And um, he is an Iowa boy. Um, now living in Nashville. Um, he wrote a song. Um Blank Stairs, that's now raised well over $50 million. That's insane. Um, uh, He's such an inspiration to me. And now he is realizing he can use his talents to not just help Alzheimer's, but he'll do benefits for any special uh, cause. So I brought him here um, because he inspired me to finally do something for my brother. I'm in a good place. I have an amazing husband um, who's just my best friend. Oh, my gosh, I never had that. (laughs) And um, he gives me so much strength, so much validation, um, that now I'm ready to honor my brother. Mm -hmm. And so Jay, he came to Mineola, Iowa, tiny, tiny town with a very – very big heart. Um, 
And we did a benefit there in the community center um, for suicide awareness to raise money um, for our future events. And now, um, August 19th, we're putting on a big day. It's called War for You with Jay Allen and Friends, Fighting Alzheimer's and Suicide. Um, we're going to spend the whole day. We're starting with a poker run in the morning. We're going to have a bake sale. We have crafters coming, food trucks coming. Um, someone's coming to do carriage rides. And then we have four performers. Um, one is Stephen Teft, who happens to be my personal assistant where I work. Um, but he also, he does Christian music and a lot of coffee house, um, that's awesome. Performances. That's awesome. So he's uh, volunteering his time. And then we have uh, the Rock and Roll Cowboys from Avoca oh. that will be coming. And um, they're going to be a lot of fun. Their whole band will be uh, performing. And then two special treats. The first one is Austin Montgomery. Um, People might know his name if they are um, watchers of The Voice. He was on last season of The Voice with Blake Shelton, kind of Elvis-y sounding. A young kid, 19 years old from California, and uh, very God-filled. And um, when I mentioned, I saw him uh, down in Oklahoma in December, we went down for one of Jay Allen's shows. And you went to Old there. Red, didn't you? We went to Old Red, yes. Saw Blake Shelton. He made a little appearance um, and then met Austin. We met um, Jay there and um, with Tyler, who was his guitarist at the time. Awesome kid. Um, and some of Kylie Morgan's family were there. That's awesome. Um, who is Jay Allen's wife. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to see her tomorrow yes. night in yes. a concert. She'll be here in Omaha. And um, so I talked to Austin and I said, this is what we're doing. Would you be interested? And his dad steps in. He's a very protective dad and goes, yes, we would. So <laughs> I talked to them and um, they're actually volunteering their time. We're just having to raise money for their flights and lodging. Um, but he wants to volunteer his time to come help this um, this effort to help our community. All the funds we raise will be used for those um, who need it here in our community. So like if someone needs help with funeral costs or um, some counseling, anything like that, that's the intentions, whether it's for Alzheimer's or suicide. Um, and then... Our big one, of course, is Jay Allen, and this time we're bringing his entire band. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so tell a little bit about the last November show, bringing him into town. Oh, wow. Last November, um, we were only expecting maybe 100 people. We had 310. Um, he put on an amazing show. Um, we had one other artist, but Jay just stole the show. He was just he shared about his mom, um, and then he stayed. You know what's amazing about him is he stayed after until he met every single person who wanted to meet him. He would not leave until the last person left the building. Yeah, he's so normal. He's normal. Yeah. he's And he stayed at our house. Yeah. And he was just, I don't know, he was like a son to me in a way. You know, he's yeah. the same age as... Um, our oldest and, well, my oldest. Uh, we have seven kids all together, ranging in ages 
oh gosh, how old is Carla? A 43 to 22. You guys are so old. I know we're so old. And you have grandbabies. <laughs> I, yes. Um, we have two in uh, uh, Texas, and then we have one here in Council Bluffs, and we have one on the way. Oh my gosh. In September. Yeah, That's little so girl. Great. That's so great. Emma Louise. Oh. Um, Addison, Eric, um, Colt, Colt Wayne, named after my brother. And then um, Emma Louise. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're adorable. Thank you. They're adorable. So let's talk about... you know, this this event, I know that you've been working on this event for for quite a while, uh, since even before you had your smaller event, because that was just kind of like a little appetizer last November for what's going to be this August. Right, and we threw that together within a month. Yeah, yeah, you got a lot done, because it was fantastic. Um, you know, I brought my family, and we had several of uh, the Miners Healthcare team and the Jays team that came just to support everything, and everybody had a blast. Uh, we even actually won the signed guitar. You from did? Jay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a great, great time. Um, tell us a little bit about what we can do to help support you. You know, obviously, ticket sales... Um, where can we find tickets? Tickets can be found on Eventbrite. Okay. Um, you can, I think, eventbrite.com, and you can download the app and search for um, War For You, Jay Allen, August 19th. You can also purchase them at Toby Jack's um, Steakhouse in Mineola, um, Iowa. And that's not difficult to find. It's the only big business other than the post office on Main Street. Um or you can, there's, we have people out there selling tickets as well. I'm selling tickets. So, Julie, if you hear of anyone, send them my way. Um, and we're not only just selling tickets for the concert. We're also doing a half-and-half half pot. We're starting to sell those tickets now. We are expecting 500 to 1,000 people. That's great. And so that could be a really huge half-and-half half pot. But if anyone, we're putting together flyers, which will be available early next Monday. And um, we're still, we're doing a mailing out to crafters, anyone who wants to be vendors. Um, they're not necessarily crafters. I think we have someone um, selling different types of products as well. And Tanya, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of your product, but <laughs> some so, cleaning So supplies, tell me but. a little bit about other vendors. You have space for vendors, more space yes. for vendors? Um, a lot of the vendors will be outside. Yep. So um, we're basically taking over the whole town. Um, there's an old baseball field, which will be for parking. We also have a church in town, parking lot, and wherever they can find parking. But we're taking over the town. So um, the vendors will f- primarily be outside. We won't be putting them in the community center at this point in time because we're going to hold that just in case there's rain. Mm-hmm. We want a place to to send um, the artist if we need to. Sure. So, um, but yeah, the more uh, crafters, the better. Um, kind of on the theme of Alzheimer's and suicide awareness, I think we have uh, the food trucks um, under control and Toby Jack's of course will be open for food and beverage mm-hmm. as well and but if anyone wants to come help I will be looking for some speakers I want at least um, two speakers on Alzheimer's and one more speaker on suicide awareness 
and um, we could use volunteers to help with setup, cleanup, um, help with security, ticket sellers for the raffle tickets or the concert tickets. Um, how much is how much are tickets? The tickets, the half and half tickets are ten dollars a ticket, and the concert tickets are forty five. Which that's very, very reasonable. So I was looking up what his tickets are going for elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, I know his June event, I think it's in the $60 range, Mm -hmm. 60, 68. Um, So it is very reasonable for an all day event and to see more than just Jay Allen. So, um, but we want to, we're also going to have some door prizes, uh, raffle prizes. Um, so if you're a business out there and you want to put a basket together or a gift certificate or something like that, you can... Or or donate money for mm-hmm. any business that donates money. We're, we would like to advertise for them during the advent. And so I will... Uh, I'll post the link on our social media for Miners Healthcare and for Jays so that people can uh, just directly get into it the link and buy tickets. Um, what is the cost for vendors? Oh, you would ask me that question. Okay. So we'll get back to you on that. Okay. (laughs) And then let you know, and you know, we can post it. I knew what it was, but it's gone. I want to say 35 or 45, but I, I can't remember on the top of my head. I apologize. Yeah, no, no, no problem. No problem. So we'll see if we can, we can get our communities together and, uh, and help make this, this, uh, event raise a ton of awareness and a ton of money and you know obviously the goal is to continually talk about these things talk about the effects that you know our mental health has on our families our marriages relationships our work life as well as suicide awareness um all the grief and guilt that the survivors have and, you know, all those that are either contemplating suicide or have attempted, that's a huge population where, you know, people don't know how silently people are suffering. So, um, one of the other questions. And I would also like to invite anyone going through those experiences, even if it's their own mental health, if they contemplated, um, or have they gone through losing someone through Alzheimer's or losing someone through suicide and you want to get involved and give back, it is a healing experience. That's why I've started um, doing what I can for our community. Um, and Mineola is such, like I said, it's a tiny town, mm-hmm. but they have a huge heart. And um, so anyone who wants to get involved, even if it's just uh, taking tickets. I was going to say ticket-taking. Ticket-taking. Um you don't have to do a lot to feel better by helping others. And the payoff, the reward is so huge. And that's what helped me out of the darkness is stop focusing on my darkness and see how can I bring light to others. And so I invite anyone who wants to partake in that to, to join us. Very good. So one last thing. With the technology that we have, you know, your traumatic event happened in the 80s, in the mid 80s, mm-hmm. what with today's resources could have maybe helped you heal or better deal with, you know, the traumatic event that you dealt with? You know, I'm not saying it well. With the resources we have today, 
what is something that you think maybe could have helped you back then? Right. Um, you know, I had the VA, and but not everyone does. So I did have a place to turn to. And one thing I think a lot of veterans don't realize that just because you weren't out processed with a disability that was related to the military, that you can't go there for help. You can. Um, so if you're a veteran and need help, that is a good resource. Uh, or go to your veteran affairs. Um, they will f- give you any resources in your community if you can't get to the VA. Also, there's a lot of helplines available now, and we'll have those posted um, on the flyers as well as all over the event. Um, And I think that's, I know they had those type of things back then, but I don't think they were as publicized as now. And, you know, even just doing this with you, you know, I'm always going to be healing. Your healing doesn't ever end. Every day is a new day and a, a, a day to continue your healing journey. And doing this with you today is helping me continue that journey. So thank you very much. Well, I mean, thank you, because this isn't easy shit to talk about. <laughs> no, you know? it's not. And you've come in and just, you know, exposed yourself. Yeah. And hopefully someone out there is going, oh, this can get better. Or I can totally identify with everything that Allie's saying. Yeah, it, it can get better. The only thing I caution is um, sometimes I take on too much. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Mom, I love you. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's more than you can handle. So that's when you, when you notice you've done that, you need to reach out for others. And that's how I had the great pleasure of meeting you. Um, my mom lives with us. Um, she has a history of bipolar disorder and emotional disorders and um, is struggling a lot physically. Really, you know, with my sister with um, spina bifida. Thank yeah. you. With spina bifida and her and her husband are tending to his parents and my brother gone, you know, it, it left it to me. So I hadn't lived with her since I was 14 as I mentioned earlier, um, moved her in just before I got married to Mike. Um, and we've had our ups and downs. But then when I got to the day, like, I can't do this anymore. This, I bit off more than I can chew. I discovered you, my nurse healthcare, And I can't thank your team enough. You've helped me so much in giving care for my mom and giving me the support that I really needed so I can continue finding other ways to give to others. And that was just an area that was, it's been tough for me um, at times, but you guys are so skilled and I just am so grateful for you. Well, we're super happy to be there and everybody loves her. <laughs> I they, know they do. They love her shifts and they, cause she's hilarious. <laughs> she is funny. She's, she's very arts and crafty. So they're always learning stuff mm-hmm. about arts and crafts from her. And so everybody enjoys the heck out of her. So, and they enjoy the heck out of you too. Oh, so thank you. We appreciate you. And I appreciate you for being here today and coming in and talking with me about something that's very very sensitive. And, uh, I, you know, hopefully we can help bring a little bit more awareness to all these causes. And so. please, please, please reach out August 19th, 2023 in the metropolitan city of Mineola, Iowa. We are having a fundraiser 
and we have some some great great artists we have great speakers there's going to be some great food trucks maybe the best coffee truck out there is going to uh, be there i think so game time eats is going to be there so you know come on out if if you have a, a small business and you're a crafter and you're a maker of something you know and and you just have a passion for helping people and you feel strongly about these causes come out buy a table sell your your artwork or your products and be there and just be with everybody for the day. It's it's going to be great. And uh we're so excited. So thanks for being here, Allie. And Absolutely. Now if they want to contact me, um can do you have a, a way where they can contact you through your podcast and you can pass them on to me? Yeah, so when we share it out, I'll share out and I'll tag you in it too, okay. and then they can find you and reach out to you. And oh, perfect! So yeah, and we'll get your we'll get the little marketing piece out in uh, on all of our social media stuff right now, so people can start thinking about it and save the date August nineteenth, twenty twenty three, in Minial, Iowa. So thanks so much, Allie, for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.